Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, welcome back to Ayers on the Road. We're always excited to talk to you and we have had an exciting road trip this week. Yeah, we've been down in Southern California just doing some riding and meeting a few people and of course, playing in a tennis tournament. Of course. Of course. That's always makes that. That was a good part of the trip, don't you think? It was. Um, We're glad to be back in Salt Lake, though. You know, the funny thing is, we left and it was raining, and but there was a great weather forecast in the future, sunny and warm. So we got down to Southern California and it was rainy. And we endured that. And then we came back last night, and it had been 75 earlier in the day, but it was then 50 today. And raining. And raining. So, in fact, uh, we are up in Park City area, and it's going to, the weather forecast yesterday showed snow snow five days out of the next 10 days. We're so glad to have a little more winter. But you shouldn't brush over this. this tennis tournament is a national hardcore tennis tournament. Well, so yeah, great. for old guys, for really old guys, you know. Well. <laughs> so we won't we won't bother with that. But I'm excited over the next few weeks to talk about some marriaging myths. We introduced this a little bit last week. We introduced the fact that we love the word marriaging as opposed to just the word marriage because come on, marriage is a noun. It's sort of a a happened word is just there. Marriaging is a verb. It's like parenting. It's dynamic. It's changing all the time. It's you, it's an art. It's a science. What is it, marriaging? Well, and if, if you've been following us along, you know that um, last year we were talking about this a bit because it's an important part of families. Um, because we were writing <laughs> the, the book. The most important We part were of writing families. the book, and it, it took a lot of our time and thought and so on. And we do have this book called The Eight Myths of Marriaging. Well, we have it, but no one else does because it's not being released until the very day of our 50th anniversary, July. That book will come out. But you listeners to Ayers on the Road, you get all kinds of special privileges and sneak previews. And I think the first thing we should address, <laughs> Linda, why, why did we... I mean, if you're going to write a book on marriage... Why would you write it on the myths of marriage? Why not write it on, you know, how to be married and happy and blah, blah, blah. And what, why, why did we choose the myths, the eight myths of marriage? Because we've had 50 years to figure out that we're doing things, a lot of things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and it took us a long time to figure it out. And because these are things that seem like they should be right, and they seem like this is what we should be doing, but there are actually some errors in what in what we've been told. Well, that's right. I mean, our, our approach, you know, after all, we've written so many books on parenting and family and life balance, as some of you listeners know, and it was actually our publisher was saying, you know, when are you going to do a book on marriage? I mean, you've covered other things about families so many times. When is there going to be a book on marriage? And so we started thinking about it and looking into it and so on and reading other things that had been done on marriage. And let's just be blunt. We found a lot of things we just didn't agree with. We found a lot of advice on marriage that we thought was just flat out wrong. 
And for a while, we thought, well, maybe our marriage is just weird, and maybe. Honey, I, I have <laughs> to tell you something. Maybe marriages work fine. I have to tell you something. <laughs> our marriage is weird, and I think everybody's <laughs> marriage is weird in its own way. I mean, every marriage is so unique. I mean, nobody's going to be just like us. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. And um, nobody's going to be just like you in your marriage, and so on. I know we're listening to. I mean, some of you are listening uh, who are perhaps divorced on a second marriage or whatever, and you know even better that marriage is a really tough thing. It's the greatest thing on earth, but it is really tough. And again, hence the word marriaging, and so the name, the name of this new book is The Eight Myths of Marriaging, because we want it dynamic. We want everyone to feel like, hey, you know, Progress can always be made. It's like anything else in life, Linda. You're either going up or you're going down. You're either getting better or getting worse. Nothing stays the same. And a lot of marriages tend to slip as time goes on because routine sets in and people sort of lose the romance and the excitement and, and sort of stop trying as hard as maybe they did earlier. In fact, in many cases, the parenting... I hate to say parenting is the enemy because parenting is so, so important, but if all of a couple's effort is going into their parenting and that's where they're really thinking and focusing and trying harder and learning and growing and, and reading books and so on and so forth, and, and there's no emphasis on the marriaging, then that can be a real problem. So as we started working on this book, we thought, you know, there's a lot of bad advice out there, and maybe if we can dispel some of the incorrect ideas about marriage, it will sort of open the way for people to find the real truths of what makes a good marriage. Well, marriage can be the most exciting thing in the world, or the most boring thing in the world, depending on how you, how you approach it. Last night we were at the airport, Santa Ana Airport in California, and we went into the California Pizza Kitchen to have some little bite to eat before we left and there was a couple sitting next to us I don't know if you noticed them or not but honestly they were right across the aisle Yeah. and he was on the phone talking to somebody pretty loud the whole time and she was sitting there messing with her pizza and kind of <laughs> trying to think of something to do and then she got on her phone and then went on and on and on and then I realized that he finally, he was talking to her, but he was looking down at his phone. He wasn't looking yeah, at her. Not much eye contact. He was just, you know, chattering about something. And I thought, oh, man. I mean, everybody can't be engaged every minute. But, <laughs> but it didn't look like a really happy marriage. And I thought, well, you never, you can't judge. But the reason we chose marriaging is because we were teaching a parenting class at the time we thought of this. And we asked the people in the yeah, yeah. group how many were felt like they were spending just as much time and energy on their marriage as they did on their parenting. Yeah. And in other words, which one? We had them vote. Are, are you devoting more time to your marriage or to your parenting? To your marriaging or to your parenting? And 90% of them, 95% of them said yeah. parenting. Yeah. Really, it is just so hard. It's so in your face, the, the parenting that is... It's just really hard to remember that what you need to really focus on By the way, your number one priority is marriage. I remember that day, Linda, we also, right after that, we said, is this a problem? Is it a problem? Do you think it's a concern that you're focusing more effort on parenting than marriage? And they did. I mean, they acknowledged almost everyone. Yeah, that is a problem. But, you know, again, the pro you know, you can work on parenting. You can, you can kind of 
focus on, there's so much to read on parenting and so on, but how do you really focus on marriaging? And so again, we're kind of giving you the backstory here, but we finally came around to the idea, if we're going to write a book on marriage, let's, let's write it on the, the bad advice that's out there. Let's write it on the myths of what people think. And so what we're going to do here on Ayers on the Road for the next eight weeks, starting today, we're going to cover one of these myths each week, and we're going to really get into it. And not only what, why the myth is a myth and why it ought to be dispelled and discarded and done away with, but also what is the truth that ought to replace that myth. And you'll understand that as we go along. And we introduced well, it a little last week, but let's do number one this week, honey. Okay, and as we as we do this, you know, you, I don't know whether you're looking forward to marriage or you're looking back back to a marriage. Just consider maybe what you think about these myths. In fact, um, we'd invite you to go along with us each week for the next eight weeks and get rid of a myth that may have been affecting your marriage in some way and adopt a truth that replaces that myth and work on it, work on just one thing at a time for the next eight weeks. And I think we can make a promise, Linda. If you'll do that, if you'll come along with us and focus on getting rid of something that's not working, that's bad advice, and adding something that's good advice, and only focus on one a week, what's our promise after eight weeks? Perfection? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You'll have a perfect marriage. And that's the biggest myth of all. That's right. Absolutely. Okay, we're going to talk about clone, the number one clone myth. Clone is, meaning, you know, you clone someone, you, you make them exactly like you. Exactly. I mean, you know, weren't you looking for somebody who really was like you when you got married? <laughs> you were, whether um, you knew it or not. I, I was, and uh, I was a total failure. Um, because, you know, it, it, there isn't such a thing as a person that's exactly the same as you. In so, fact. So let's read this myth exactly as we worded it. We worked hard on the wording here so we wouldn't offend anyone, but we would get, we would nail what this myth really is. Okay, so number one, the clone myth. A good measure of the quality of your relationship or marriage is how alike you are and how infrequently you disagree or argue. Now, that's just a well-established myth. People just tend to measure their marriage by how alike they are and how infrequently they argue or disagree. And people tend to get it in their heads that a good marriage is one that has relatively few disagreements or arguments and where the people are growing more and more alike. And a bad marriage is one where there's a lot of friction, disagreement, and people that really are different from each and other. And they're strong-willed about what they believe. And well, that's just a myth. It, it is a myth. And we found, and boy, it's taken, it took us a lot of years, let's admit it, to... Um, well, subconsciously, we kept thinking, when is she going to get more like me, you know? Yeah. <laughs> when is he going to get more like me? <laughs> um, it really is interesting. I mean, you could, we all maybe did a wish list of things that we wanted in a spouse and so on. <laughs> and, um, you know, some of them, I remember sense of humor being one, and I got that. You know, and there, there are a few there You are laugh few at things. me, not with me, no, that's I okay. Laugh, I laugh with you, too. And it really, um, it's, a, it's been a great thing. But what we have to realize, it, this is the hardest thing, I think, to realize that the differences are what makes the marriage great. That the angst, 
the the clashing even of ideas sometimes are what make a marriage great because you teach each other and you become more um more not more alike but more, more excited, compatible more, more compatible yeah. Yeah. yeah and i think you know it, it's obvious in most business relationships that you don't you don't want to be a partner with someone that's exactly like you you want to find someone with complementing skills Maybe you're the marketing guy and you're trying to find a finance guy to be your partner. Or, or maybe you're the person who's really good in front of people and selling and so on. And maybe you want to find a partner that's behind the scenes and does the work. And so, you know, in most, in most partnerships in life, we look for complementing qualities. And somehow in marriage, this myth has crept in that we're supposed to be alike and we're not supposed to disagree on anything. Well, and that, and that we need to progress in our marriage by not disagreeing so much. And that I just want him to be the way I want him to be. Yeah. I, I, you know, I went into a marriage thinking, <clears throat> well, I am just going to marry this guy. He's going to see what needs to be done. <laughs> He's going to know what I need to help for help. And, um, no, that did not work out. I mean, after all these years, I, you're just not going to see what needs to be done. I've tried and tried to teach you. Oh, let's not get personal here. Let's this, keep this theoretical. This is personal. No, we need to go personal. Um, but, but you have so many other qualities that I love so much more than seeing what needs to be done. I mean, well, let's do this. Let's read the truth that, that replaces that myth, and then we'll take a brief break. And then when we come back, there's some sub-myths. There's some sort of little things that, that are sort of sub-culture things that go with this myth that are equally untrue. So here's the truth. The truth that replaces the clone myth is this. The best and most exciting marriages are between two strong individuals who relish rather than resent their differences, who have their own unique opinions and can disagree and debate and learn from each other. How you resolve is a better measure than how often you need to. We'll be right back after this brief break to get deeper into that truth. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back today talking about the myths of marriaging. Particularly, particularly myth number one. Number one. We've been talking about that being the clone myth, which means, you know, we want each other to be just like the other. And we, and obviously people don't really want that, but let's, let's we really, think we do. Let's really flesh this in with some of the sub-myths that go with it. Let's take turns reading them, and, and you listeners think about these, and we're going to come back, and we're not just here to dispel a myth. We're here to add a corresponding truth for each of these. So one sub-myth is it's important to never let the sun set on a disagreement. Every conflict must be quickly resolved. Oh, my goodness. I have to admit that the guy who married us, who we love, and he's passed on now, so we I can, can talk say about this, it. and I'm not going to say who it is, but... Honestly, he gave us the worst advice. He said, never go to bed on an never argument. Never let the sun set on a disagreement. It was very poetic advice, a well, very poetic myth. But we went way past the sunset. We went way past the well, sunset. Well, that's right. We, we just, went all night trying to Did we to get resolve. any sleep the first couple of months? 
We were just so determined to follow this wise advice. So determined that never go we to were, sleep until you've got everything worked out. Well, and determined that we were right. I mean, you know, we were so uh, both so strong-willed <laughs> until we were exhausted. We realized. I mean, really, it took us a lot of years to figure that out. That yeah. we really—that was a stupid thing to say. Sorry. But. So here, well, here's the truth that replaces it. If a disagreement is spiraling out of control, it's better to put it on hold and revise your motto a little to say, never let the week end without ta talking through and understanding any lingering concerns. And loving, committed relationships can be maintained despite unresolved differences. So it's a myth to think you got to work it all out at once. Better to take a time out if things are getting a little out of hand and you're starting to say things you don't mean and so on. Take a little break, get back to what you need to do, but it is a good idea before the week is over to make sure there's no... Well, now, but you know. if there's something that's urgent right at that moment that just kind of explodes, right. you right. have to talk about it, obviously. Because something is just going to, mm, I don't know, I, that makes me so mad, but I'm just going to wait. I'm, in fact, we actually have a, have a formal meeting on Sundays. Well, just to work things out, just, just to enough, clear the air. To, uh, I, and I say, you know, I really appreciate you, honey, because you're so great with the kids, but I have to tell you, you really hurt my feelings this week. Yeah. And this is what happened. I'm still feeling bad about and it. And in that atmosphere, there's no offense given, you know. Right, right. You're saying, let's go back now. There was a thing last Wednesday we didn't quite see eye to eye on. Let's talk about it now in the light of day and in retrospect, work it out. Because you don't want to bury those feelings. You want to get them out, but not right at that moment. So here, here's another sub-myth. And this is, what, this is a really key one, Linda. You, you may want to read it because, you know... Uh, another sub-myth, wanting my spouse to complete me is a realistic hope for marriage. We hear that so often, you know. I married this person and I think that person's going to complete me. Well, guess what? It's not about you. It's not about someone's coming into your life to complete you or make your life wonderful. Uh, here, here's the truth that goes with it, you, that, that replaces it. You should work to complete yourself and should support your spouse in that same personal quest. But I do think you complete me in a lot of ways. I mean, obviously, I have learned a lot from you. I have learned not to fuss over details, how to consolidate errands so I'm not running around all the time. I mean, we have taught oh, yeah, each we, other. Oh, yeah, well, we hope that ha all marriages hope that there's some completion of each other going on, but the point is, if that's your goal, wanting your spouse to complete you, right? Then that's a big problem. You know, what we need to do is support each other in, in becoming complete people, right? Right. All right. What's the next? The next one is the more you disagree, the worse your marriage gets, and the less likely you are to ever get in sync. <laughs> Some people feel that. You know, we run into people all the time who are saying, you know, and and think where this leads. This kind of thinking. I, I just thought it would get better. I thought we'd disagree less and less, but we're just about the same, or maybe we're even disagreeing more. And so I think our marriage is doomed. I just don't think we'll ever get together on anything, you know? Well, and sometimes I think that um, we have realized we have to 
agree to disagree on some things. We don't agree on everything. Especially on the ways of doing things. You know, it's okay for each person to have their own approach, their own style. In fact, how great is that, that you're not trying to copy each other on everything? Right. It really is pretty amazing how important that is because sometimes... I think you felt like, no, we have to agree, we have to agree on this. I'm going to just keep talking until I I did. I was worse. On, I was worse on this than you. Yes, I was you like, were. oh, so we're, much. We're not, we're not one. We're not, uh, we're not united. We're not, this is not how it's supposed to be, you know? Why can't you do it more this way? <laughs> exactly. Why can't you be more like me? Yeah. Um, and we finally realized that, boy, that's actually a real strength to have your own opinions and to go with it, but to be able to compromise and be able to come to some kind of a, an agreement about how things should be done in our own way. So here's the truth that replaces that. Marital conflict resolution or mutual understanding is a growing process. That's the key word. It's a process and it's a learned skill. And there are three basic methods that are almost always helpful. We, we, have, we do believe that there are sort of three uh, that seem to always work. And let's just talk about each of those for a minute. Linda, your favorite one, we, we've got a name for it. It's called Going to the Balcony. Yes, I like this. I got this from a, a guy who we really admire, Bruce Feiler, who's written a lot about a lot of things, but one is about marriage. And he was saying how important it is when you get tangled up in a conflict to just leave each other. I mean, not, maybe in anger, but hopefully not. But just leave. Go to another room. Change clothes. Look at. Pretend like you're going to the balcony, watching yourself on a on a stage, and yeah, try to pull, figure pull out what, away, the, pull back. what the other person is thinking. What he what could he possibly be thinking? Right, right, and. I think it's it's like calling a timeout. It's not you're not going to drop it. You're not going to sweep this under the rug. You're not going to ignore it. This conflict, but you're going to pull back, take a timeout for a minute, and calm down a little, and then come back and and talk further. That's going to the balcony. Number two, <coughs> the other, a second method that almost always seems helpful to couples, is called Rogerian technique. Carl Rogers, the great analyst. You know, it's named after him, and it's very, very simple. It's like, just have a rule when you're in a disagreement that before you can make your next point, which is what you're dying to do, you, you have a rule that you have to restate the other person's point before you can make your point. In other words, okay, what you're saying, Linda, is da-da-da-da-da-da. Is that right? And if you say, no, that's not what I'm saying. I have to try again. I have to get... I have to understand well enough what you just said that I can paraphrase it back to you. And when you say yes, okay, now, here's my next point. But, you know, the wind's out of your sails a little now. You're starting to actually listen. You're starting to actually pay attention to the other person. Well, and I found that it was easy for me to start saying, well, now, this is what you're saying. Yeah. And then I twisted a little bit to make it sound like what it, what it sounded like to me. This is what you're, you're saying, like, and it's no, stupid. no. <laughs> Yeah, and that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But um, it really is a great exercise to try and repeat what the other person... And then the third says. thing that always works, especially in couples that, that have a spiritual belief, is you have a prayer. You kneel down together, you hold hands, you have a prayer, and you, you it changes the whole chemistry. It's not just me against you now. It's the two of us going to a greater power 
and trying to sort this out. And how many times, Linda, we've, you know, finally, when we're on our knees, <laughs> when there's we nowhere realize, else to go. Hey, maybe just... I'm the one that was kind of at fault here, you know. Yeah. And things you couldn't imagine five minutes earlier. It's pretty amazing. I do remember starting out saying, you know, please help this person to realize that he is wrong, <laughs> wrong, wrong. And then it's my heart softening and feeling, okay, maybe I need to take a look at this from a different angle. Absolutely. And then the last sub-myth on this one, boy, we hear this a lot as we travel around talking to parents. Here's the myth. Children should never see their parents disagree. Wow, that's a hard one. That would have been a hard one at our house because our kids knew that we both were pretty strong-willed. Yeah. And they saw some angst. Well, I remember recently, just very recently, we, we had a young, after a speech, a young, a young uh, woman came up and said, I'm so discouraged. She was just almost in tears. She said, I, my, you know, my husband and I, we've been married for six months and and we had a disagreement already. I said, wait, you've been married six months? You've only had one disagreement? What is going on? She said, no, no, you don't understand. My parents never disagreed. They yeah, never fought. Yeah, she was really concerned about and, that. And we said, honey, <laughs> they just hid it from you. Yeah. They just hid it from you. It actually is not a good thing if your children think you never disagree because it, it'll give them unrealistic uh, expectations for their relationships but here's the big caveat right if if your children do see you disagree especially if there's some raised voices or some things being said that you're ashamed of afterwards and the kids heard that what do they have to now see for sure they have to see you make up and i think that is totally important I mean that is amazing because then the kids know because as soon as they see you argue they think divorce yeah they do from the little kids on through the teenagers and they need to know that you love each other and that you it's okay to disagree but that you the bottom line is you are committed to each other and you need to editorialize on that a little bit too if your kids have seen you disagree let them see you make up, I mean, big time. Let them see how much in love you are. Kiss each other right in front of them. Well, <laughs> but then editorialize. Editorialize. Tell them, you know, you, you guys know Mom and I disagreed the other day. And, and we're both strong-willed. We both have opinions. But we always work it out. And here's what we, here's what we worked out. Here's what we decided. Well, they don't need to know all the nitty-gritty No, details, but they need but... to know that it's okay. And they, and they can sort of start feeling oh that's real life that, they, my mom and dad are both real people they both have opinions but they love each other and they work things out yeah and you know sometimes that doesn't work as well as it sounds right there but but it is so important to let the kids know that you really that you love, love each other that you think it's okay to disagree yeah absolutely so here's the truth on that children need to know that their parents are two separate individuals who sometimes have different opinions. It's okay if they see you disagree, but they must also see you resolve and make up. Yeah, I think that is just so crucial. Um, in fact, I think our kids know, pretty much know that we disagreed on almost everything. <laughs> uh, because we have our ways of doing things. You're just so very different. Um, you kind of barge in and fix things, and I do it a different way. 
Yes, you do, and I'm so grateful for that. Now, that's just the first of these eight myths, folks, and we, we're excited about, I mean, it sounds funny to say we're excited about myths, but we're, we're excited about <laughs> exposing them and replacing them with things that really work. And next week, we're going to talk about myth number two, which we call the achievement myth, and it's basically affecting so many marriages that the idea that achievements are more important and, and harder and, and should focus on them instead of relationships. We're going to explode that myth next week. It's going to be fun. We hope you'll join us. Thanks for being with us today. Good luck with myth number one, the clone myth. And we'll talk to you again next time on Ayers on the Road. See you then.